0: From KIOS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I'm talking with Krista Eggers, an activist and proponent of medical marijuana legalization in Nebraska.
1: And I'm looking at my full of life child sitting on the floor playing with a tractor, and I absolutely not. What do you mean there's nothing more? And we got into the discussion of medical cannabis. And they said, we can't talk to you about that because you don't live in a legal state. Therefore our hands are tied. And I said, what should I do? Like, What do I need to do? And they said, well, you can either move, relocate your family to a state that it is legal. And I remember them kind of saying, which is almost any state besides yours, or you can go back home and you can try to legalize it.
0: We're talking about the decade-long fight from organizations like Nebraska Families and Nebraskans for Medical Marijuana to provide a new health care option. Stay tuned for the conversation after this break. Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. I've got a hypothetical for you. Imagine you go to the doctor and you get prescribed marijuana. Did you just scream or jump? In Nebraska, it's very common to be late to the party as far as pretty much all social trends go or to miss the party entirely. But medical uses of cannabis have been legalized in 37 states, and it looks like the movement has a kind of national momentum that Nebraska will continue to grapple with, at least in the years to come. We've seen proponents of medical cannabis produce ballot measures, introduce bills to the legislature, and they've been doing this for nearly a decade now. The fight probably isn't going away. So what is medical marijuana? What is the history of it? What can it do? My guest today is Krista Eggers, who has been an activist for medical cannabis for a long time and has worked through Nebraska Families and Nebraskans for Medical Marijuana to legalize exactly that. Here is our conversation. So I was surprised when I got my ballot last year because I think there were more legalized marijuana now candidates than Democrats, which I, I maybe have been slightly aware that that was even a party, but it took me by surprise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I it they are not affiliated with our. You know, our group, our organization or efforts. I do know there is a group of individuals out there who have created that party. They obviously, um, are proponents of marijuana. And so, yeah, I was surprised as well to see that and, um, obviously let down to see that there's a party, but we did not have, um, you know, the option to be voting on marijuana this past. Last year,
0: but the fact that that party has so many uh places in the ballot, while Democrats often were either not on the ballot, or you know my, my joke about it was, oh, so many options, I got the Republican, I got the blank spot." Um, it it did seem to suggest maybe there's momentum on the side of marijuana in Nebraska in a way that there isn't for the Democratic Party.
1: There might be. Um, No, I know that it is a a movement of individuals who again stand for the legalization of marijuana in all its forms, obviously not just for medical, but for adult use or recreational as well. And so um, we know we have support in them for what we're doing. Um, And yeah, I would expect that, especially with The temperature here in the state um, and things in the legislature right now, I would say we will see some breaking off like that into some other parties.
0: Well, I think it's important for us to clarify medical marijuana and what that looks like. So I think that a lot of people operate from these assumptions of basically when they picture medical marijuana, they can't quite divorce that from whatever stereotype of a stoner, right? Which is really not the same thing. You know, it's sort of like not really even interested so much in understanding or maybe have not had the opportunity to understand what medical marijuana is. So let's start there. What is medical marijuana?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I'm someone that actually, until five years ago, I did not know a thing about marijuana. It was not anything that I had really been surrounded by, didn't understand what medical marijuana was, cannabis, marijuana, we hear all these different terms. And so when I got into this space of advocacy for the medical side of marijuana, and for our purposes, I say medical cannabis, just because... That's what I use. That's what in the legislature. that's we use the term cannabis, but it is one and the same. Marijuana mm. and cannabis um, are the same term. Marijuana definitely tends that word scares people. And like sure. you said, it gives individuals the idea that you know this is something that everybody's getting high and all of that. and unfortunately, it's sad because a lot of you know, the prohibition of marijuana and and the way you look back and there is a lot. Um, to unpack there, and there was a lot of you know racial discrimination and such that come along with that. But in terms of medical marijuana, years ago, uh, thousands of years ago, marijuana, um, the plant, has been used for medical purpose, um, and we're talking thousands upon thousands of years ago. And you can look in history books and you know different writings, and they are using the plant for healing purposes, for pain, for anesthetics. Um, you know the list goes on and on. Fast forward to then where we saw marijuana used more recreationally, um, unfortunately that has made it difficult for those of us advocating for the medical use, especially with children, um, of this idea that marijuana is solely to get high and that all marijuana gets you high and that's that's it and there's nothing more. Um, What we do know, though, is that there are many medicinal effects from the plant. Um, Different cannabinoids in the plant itself work together. Um, Each individual um, is born with an endocannabinoid system. So our bodies innately are made to take in the... cannabis right and use it in these different ways and so it's it's actually a huge science when you really get into it um, and so I think we are starting to shift from again this stoner idea that you know that it's this irresponsible horrible drug um, and in fact our culture you know when we scheduled marijuana years and years ago um, as a schedule one and kind of made it this really bad thing, that has kept us from learning and from accepting and realizing that the plant marijuana um, is not a bad thing. Um, in fact, it's probably one of the best plants that is on our earth because of all that it can do. So I don't. did I answer your yeah, question? Yeah. Well, okay.
0: So I think something that came up in there that was interesting is the long thousands of years long history. What What was it being used for over the course of those thousands of years?
1: Yeah. So you hear about pain. Uh, you do hear about epilepsy and people at the time, they didn't know it was epilepsy. They would, you know, people were having fits is what, you know, again, way, way, way back they would say or that they were possessed. Um, we obviously know that's not the case. But, you know, it was used for that, again, anesthetic purposes, um, many, many things, and then just overall healing, Um you know, the medicine men, you know, of the tribe would be using it. And so you see that now, obviously, um, we're not looking at scientific studies, but you do follow that the history of, of cannabis being used for medicinal purposes goes as far back as time.
0: So then when we jump forward to today, what are the scope of conditions that medical marijuana has been shown to have some ability to address?
1: Yeah, so... There are so many. I we we couldn't cover all of them. Honestly, talking today, I think you commonly hear uh, seizures and epilepsy is something that commonly medical cannabis. Um, you'll have a conversation about um, cancer and uh, chemotherapy related side effects, um, pain. Often, pain is. Um, we know there's studies out there that are showing that it significantly can help pain. Um, when we look at again uh, the cancers or terminal illness. Um, often those individuals will experience wasting syndrome, which is that they just cannot eat. And so unfortunately, the side effects from, you know, the chemotherapy and treatments are actually what sometimes ends up, you know, killing them. And so marijuana obviously can be used to help that appetite in those individuals. ALS, MS, Parkinson's, uh, Tourette's syndrome, uh, you'll start to hear a lot more about autism and os. Oste- autism spectrum disorders and and the treatment with with cannabis um, you know migraines um, the list goes on and on also you know talking about mental health um, anxiety and ptsd are two major major conditions that you will hear about and see research on Uh, doesn't take you long to talk to somebody that may have one of those conditions Um, we talk to veterans all the time that for years and years and years, they could not sleep at night. They not, had not had a restful night's sleep. And often, you know, they're given very, very heavy sedating type drugs. And that often can make the make things worse for them. And you will hear that they, you know, took a, a cannabis oil, um, you know, something, and that gave them the first restful night's sleep in, you know, 40 years. And you can see truly how profound that that was for them, just in hearing these stories. And you know, hopefully, I can share some of those stories with you today because um, it. I think if a person has not really looked into this issue or it hasn't touched them, uh, it's, it's we just don't know what we don't know, right? right? And so often, it unfortunately takes something affecting us to really open our mind up, have conversations, learn about something that we we may either not know about or have wrong information about.
0: So what I'm trying to figure out, and maybe it's too big of a question because that was a, a very long list of potential treatments or things that might be treated. But what what does cannabis do to the body that allows it to treat? So you know, such a versatility of conditions.
1: Yeah. So I am not a scientist or medical doctor, and do not have a huge understanding of exactly how it works. You know, we're still learning a lot of that. But I'm going to give you the example that I do know, which is within epilepsy or someone. That's having a seizure. So, a seizure is an electrical storm in the brain. It's misfiring uh, neurons that causes a person to experience, you know, many different types of seizures. The cannabis, um, when someone has taken that often through an oil form, especially obviously in children, is that it calms the brain just enough. Um, we're not talking about this individual getting high. Typically, you know, the THC. Uh, is only one component of the plant, and one component that's in these oils. You may have high CBD and low THC, and so it's just enough that it does. It calms the brain, and so you will see that individuals are either able to control their seizures better uh, overall. You know, on a on a day to day basis, sometimes it's that they can actually treat an active seizure uh, with cannabis oil, and so that can essentially stop, slow down, uh, make a seizure less severe. Um, And then you often will hear about individuals that with cannabis oil, you know, or on a a daily basis or several times a day, they're able to come down on their pharmaceutical meds that very often have horrible, horrible side effects. And so that's in, again, in, in the realm of epilepsy or a neurologic condition, it's obviously how, you know, the calming effect that it has on the brain. Um, with pain and such, um, you know, these receptors, it's getting in there and it's intervening or, again, slowing those or sedating them. You know, I, I don't like the word sedating because so often, again, back to the stigma, right? That, but patients taking cannabis or marijuana for medical purpose, you know, it is not to get high and to have hallucinogenic effects and all that. It is truly to treat the symptoms that they are suffering from.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Krista Eggers about the movement to legalize medical marijuana for Nebraskans. What do you think about proposals for cannabis for medical purposes, as has been legalized in 37 other states so far? Let us know. Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089, which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. And so I know you're talking about a mixture of, to some extent, this history of kind of a tribal tradition. There's maybe some degree of holistic medicine as well. What's the the scope of medical research that's going into these treatments right now?
1: Yeah. So let's, we can first talk about um, in the United States. So marijuana was scheduled as a schedule one drug. And what that means is that Uh, the federal government has said that there is no medicinal purpose and therefore there is no studies, there is no um, research being done by the federal government. And unfortunately, it should have never been scheduled as a Schedule I drug. That's up there with cocaine and ecstasy. Um, We obviously know are very harmful, uh, illicit street drugs. And so then you have marijuana up there. So within the United States, though, there still is research being done. And there's been research uh, here in Nebraska at UNMC. Um, and that research is showing what we already know and what patients are attesting to, right, is that it? it is reducing seizures. It's helping with pain. It's helping uh, navigate uh, chemotherapy symptoms. Um, On a international level, in all other countries, you know, marijuana is being studied and researched uh, very, very intensely. And so we can look to those studies as well as those in the United States. But overwhelmingly, I do believe in a few years we are going to say, wow, like, why were we not using this, you know, more, more widespread because it has so many positive effects
0: When was marijuana scheduled as a harmful substance?
1: Since the 1970s, marijuana has been listed as a Schedule I controlled substance. Um, And so that's where we see that all of a sudden, you know, marijuana was illegal and very much so kind of like alcohol, the prohibition of alcohol, right? And, And all the reasons that went into that. I can tell you that the other way that we know that it is working and that is helping individuals medically is that any state that has passed medical use laws you will see a decrease in opioid prescriptions, anxiety prescriptions, sleep medications. And so, you know, that speaks for itself. And you also have just talking to these individuals who often, you know, have tried treatment after treatment and have not been helped or again, these treatment options have made them sicker uh, or the side effects are too too severe for them. And so, you look at the patients themselves and what they're telling us. And overwhelmingly, you know it's it's positive and for those i will say that maybe it wasn't you know a cure all it it didn't help them it didn't hurt them it just maybe didn't help like they had hoped or you know like it helped someone else
0: mm-hmm. We're kind of in this uh, – uh, it's a regular history of various substances where the public's relationship shifts over time, right? You mentioned the prohibition of alcohol, which I think is not generally looked on as something that people want to try again. Obviously, the relationship with cigarettes has changed culturally as well, largely due to research, right? Exactly. And So what needs to happen for that relationship to change is kind of a, an open mind. Yep. And there has been momentum, it sounds like, in a lot of states – to start to think about marijuana cannabis differently, right? Mm-hmm. So the efforts to legalize medical cannabis on either a national scale or in other states, when did that start to gain traction?
1: Yeah, so back in 1996, California first was the first state that brought um, medical cannabis to the forefront. Um, they brought it by a ballot initiative, so the people enacted it. And so since then, in 1996, um, multiple states have followed suit, especially, again, with the medical side of things. Um, I believe that there, well, I can tell you that there are 47 states that have some type of medical infrastructure, medical system for patients. Some of those uh, states, you know, have very narrow or they only cover a certain number of conditions. But 47 states do have some access for patients and so living in Nebraska we are one of three Um, it is uh, us and Idaho and Kansas and I can almost guarantee that you will see Kansas uh, do something very shortly just because they've been talking just as we have for multiple years Uh, it's been within their legislature uh, to do something and so we are in a very small minority of states that have not said, hey, this is ridiculous. We need to, to be helping patients if there is something out there to help.
2: Yeah,
0: well, they say, what, the Midwest is usually 20 years behind the coast? Yeah. Then yep. this has been, what, about a decade-long journey in Nebraska?
1: Yeah, so in Nebraska, um, about 10 years now is uh, back, I guess it was 2015, I believe, that uh, Senator Tommy Garrett heard about patients in the state who, who came to him and said, hey, we we want this help for our our loved ones, for ourselves. And he brought the first legislation, did not pass, and that has continued now until 2023, where yet again, within the legislature this year, there is a medical cannabis bill.
0: When did you get involved?
1: So I got involved uh, five years ago, and it was, uh, I have a child, Um, he is eight now, but at the time, you know, he was three, four years old. And he was diagnosed with epilepsy, began having seizures, otherwise completely healthy kid, normal development until one day, um, you know, he had his first seizure. And unfortunately, that first seizure just has continued and he has rapidly progressed to having many, many seizures, many types of seizures. Uh, Of course, we did what the doctor said, which was try, you know, this first medication. Well, the first didn't help. So the second, the third you know, 20th, 21st combinations of drugs. And not only did we not see relief from the seizures, the side effects. Um, You know, I saw my little three-year-old child react um, to one of these medications, and it, it made him almost psychotic. In an older individual, you might have said they almost were suicidal. He was very, very sick from these side effects that just turned him into, you know, a child that I did not know. Fatigue, stomach ache, those are just now n- the norm that he lives with. Because we still currently, you know, are trying medications and will continue to do so. But we have really reached a point where after five years, Colton has there isn't a lot more to try right now. Uh, He is not a surgical candidate um, and other treatment options have failed or again, are not available to us. And so it was doctoring up in Minnesota at the time where they said, you know, there's not much more we can do for you. You're just gonna need to move to palliative care, meaning just let him have the best quality of life we can give him despite, you know, these circumstances. And I'm looking at my full-of-life child sitting on the floor playing with a tractor. And I, absolutely not. What do you mean there's nothing more? And we got into the discussion of medical cannabis. And they said, we can't tell you, we can't talk to you about that because you don't live in a legal state. Therefore, our hands are tied. And I said, what should I do? Like, what do I need to do? And they said, well you can either move, relocate your family to a state that it is legal, and I remember them kinda saying, which is almost any state besides yours, or you can go back home and may, and you can try to legalize it. And I, at the time, it was not an option for our family to relocate. Um, it, it shouldn't have to be, you mm-hmm. know, th- that choice for families. Um, and so I came back and I got involved with uh, several of the Senators, uh, Senator Anna Wishart of Lincoln, who was bringing a medical cannabis bill and have been involved ever since with a group of families. Uh, Nebraska Families for Medical Cannabis is an advocacy group that started about 10 years ago. They were the original families that that said, this is something we need to do and we need help for, for the patients in this state. And here we are again, 10 years later, still fighting uh, for For suffering people in this state.
0: I'm talking with Krista Eggers, who has been a proponent for legalization of medical cannabis right here in Nebraska for nearly a decade. Let us know what you think. Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And stay tuned for the rest of the conversation after this break.
2: I just listened to the Flatwater Free Press episode, and I'm just calling in to say I disagree that it doesn't matter with, with Mr. If It doesn't matter if it's print journalism. I'm a staunch supporter of print journalism, such as magazines and newspapers, first and foremost because I think you do read it differently, and also because of what it shows to our community. I think a lot of the reason why our community doesn't engage with news as much as we did is because we don't see each other engaging with news. When you had newspapers out, you could see other people reading newspapers. Right now, all you can do is see people on their phones and you don't know if they're on a news website or you don't know if they're on a dating website or you don't know if they're just texting or checking their email. Print journalism matters a lot for our literate ecosystem. I think it's important to see other people reading in public. I think newspapers still have a place and magazines still have places within our society and we should type them. Thank you so much for your excellent programming.
0: And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Remember, you can find the backlog of all of our episodes wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today, and while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a review. Today, I'm talking with Krista Eggers, who's been a proponent of legalization of medical cannabis right here in Nebraska for nearly a decade. She's here to talk about what medical marijuana is, what it can do, and what the fight has been to try to get it on the ballot. Here's the rest of our conversation. The doctors that originally introduced you to this concept, they presumably have some experience either through treatment or research or something along those lines, right? Yes,
1: all of that. Yep, research um, that is being done in their state and and with the patients that they are recommending it for. And these were um, epileptologists, individuals that they treat individuals with epilepsy.
0: In other states, it's not like this is just, you know, Facebook prescriptions that are gaining popularity. It is rooted in a science that we generally would consider legitimate, but there's a stigma here that needs to be overcome. That's that's basically what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. In other states, um, you know, sometimes Colorado, we hear people say, well, we don't want to become like Colorado. Well, I would challenge anybody to go and look at this medical system that Colorado has, and it is very, very well done. It is... Patients who, with a recommendation from a treating practitioner for their illness, are able to go into a medical dispensary with doctors, um, with research. Um, this is, is not, you know, a pot shop down the way. This is a very safe, tested very well-run system and so the idea that it's this free-for-all and it's this reefer madness that people all, all, you know, are afraid of it, it couldn't be farther from the truth in most places um, you know like anything there's places that that don't help uh, the cause but you know I can tell you again in the Midwest here in Nebraska Uh, The type of program that we have been advocating for and these bills within the legislature that we have been pushing um, are the most narrow conservative restrictive bills in the nation and yet we are still here advocating for that and and don't seem to be making much progress and so that's where you see we have gone to the ballot Um, We live in a state uh, that allows individuals to bring issues that are important to them uh, to the people, right? And you gather signatures and you petition your government for something that you believe in. And we have done that twice or attempted to do that twice on this issue. And, um, you know, when I hear the word say, okay, but those failed, um, sometimes that's tough because the first go around, we actually collected 196,000 signatures, Uh, in the midst of a pandemic, which everything else across the nation shut down. And here in this state, we said, you know what, this is too important. There are patients that their lives are depending on this. We can't wait. We can't push this out. And so we went on to collect absolutely enough signatures and then some. And then unfortunately, there was a lawsuit um, for the sheriff out of Lancaster County. Came forward and uh, filed a lawsuit against a single-subject violation, which means that you can't have two separate subjects in one initiative. What Um,
0: were the two subjects?
1: The two subjects uh, that they believed there was was um, that a person was given the right to have cannabis if recommended it, but then also the industry to... Uh, manufacture that cannabis for that patient to have. And they said those are two separate subjects. It depends who you ask, what what you believe. Um, I personally, and I'm just talking to you as, you know, myself today, that money didn't just drop out of the sky. There is very clearly an opposition in our state and an opposition that has spent a huge amount of money against this issue and so do i think that there was other things at play with that absolutely but the outcome was still the same which was we were not on the 2020 ballot we tried to get a bill in the legislature done in 21 and they failed to do that uh, could not overcome a filibuster uh, said nope we can't touch this and so we went back to the ballot in 2022 and after a numerous unfortunate events, I helped to lead that ballot initiative. Um, we collected almost 100,000 signatures on two different petitions, uh, this, separating the two subjects this time, and we fell shy of the necessary valid signatures. Um, actually the state, to my knowledge to this day, never completed counting all of them. Um, and so, you know, again, because of some challenges, because of an opposition, I truly believe we we weren't there on the 2022 ballot, just like you said, you didn't, you know, you saw the Marijuana Now Party, but not, not this issue. Right. So now here we are, um, another year, um, patients are sicker, my child is older, um, individuals have lost their life, um, who... Who truly, you know, it may not have changed the outcome, but it could have changed their quality of life and, you know, the the access to something that could have helped them be more comfortable. Um, there's a bill this year uh, within the legislature, LB 588, was brought by Senator Wishart again. It um, would be the most narrow conservative bill in the nation if it passed. Um, I will tell you at this point that bill has been amended to be very, very, very narrow. Um, unfortunately, would only help a very small fraction of patients. Um, but it is something, and we are still advocating, I will still continue um, you know, working to get that legislation across. But I can tell you that ultimately, it appears like the state, again, is going to stand in the way of passing and controlling, regulating. They, they could have control of how this happens and how this plays out and and how it all works in our state. But instead, what's most likely going to happen is we are gonna be forced uh, to go back to the ballot. And I can tell you this go around, uh, we are ahead of the game. We've done it twice before. Uh, You're talking right now to a mom who didn't know anything about anything, politically, you know, marijuana, any of that. And I'm a representative of, again, numerous other individuals who we decided this is important and we're gonna go for it. And we collected signatures on an almost volunteer basis. This last go around, not fun, not easy, very, very difficult, but we were very close to success. And so I can tell you coming back this time, um, we will bring something and it will pass when it is on the ballot overwhelmingly nebraska supports medical cannabis um the latest polling shows that 81 percent of nebraskans if given the option would vote yes for medical cannabis it's ridiculous to me that we are still sitting here in 2023 begging um, you know state leaders to to do something and to do it safely and have control of it and regulate it and, and all of that but again, instead, it appears they want to say, nope, we're not going not gonna to do this. You know, we're going to leave it to the federal government. They'll, they need to do it. The FDA needs to do it. Um, but yet we look at 47 other states who have already done this. N- the federal government has never come in, and uh, none of these laws have been repealed or overturned. Um, and so obviously it is something that the states can do. The federal government has made it clear on this that we are going to let states – decide this. You know, it remains federally illegal. Um, I do think that we are soon, you know, um, soon with the federal government uh, doesn't always mean soon like we think of it, but federally it will become decriminalized. Um, it needs to be descheduled from a schedule one so we can study it and, you know, re- more research can be done. But until then, For our citizens in this state, we're saying, nope, we can't do that. We're hands off. And that's really unfortunate because people are leaving.
0: What the state, what the people who speak on behalf of the state say is sometimes worse or more dramatic, hyperbolic than... uh, We can't do anything. I remember Pete Ricketts saying something along the lines of, if you legalize marijuana, your kids will die.
1: Yep, it will kill your kids. you will kill your kids. There we go. Yep.
0: So let's talk about him for a second. Because my understanding is that he was the biggest stumbling block, really, over the past decade. So, you know, I think about as far as what do Nebraskans want and what does the power structure want. Well, he dumped a fortune into reversing the public's decision to outlaw capital punishment, using taxpayer dollars then to buy fentanyl to carry out an execution but well, when it comes to something that is not demonstrated, to my knowledge, to be anywhere near as lethal as fentanyl, I didn't get the sense that it was something where he was like, well, let me look at the research. Let me let me deliberate on this. Let's have some meetings. Let's have some, some committees because he's out there saying things like uh, your kids are going to die, basically, if we do this, which is maybe to be hyperbolic myself, one of the most hyperbolic things he could have said. So let's talk about that. What, what yeah. was the root of his opposition?
1: You know, um, I wish I could say that you know uh, Governor Ricketts and I had sat down and had a conversation, and, and that he came to those of us, you know, trying to educate and, and fighting for this, um, and, and asked us. Uh, but that never happened. In fact, um, unfortunately, you know, there there was no no ability to have a conversation, um, to ag- agree to disagree, because. You are exactly right. The amount of resource uh, that he had at his disposal to to use against this issue, um, to, you know, put Tom Osborne up there um, to say why it is bad because he saw it, you know, affect some football players who were using it. It's beyond frustrating. It speaks very much to him and the, the individual, I guess, and, and the leader that he chose to be. Because I can tell you that doctors will attest there has not been a death caused exclusively from, from marijuana. You know, the cannabinoid system, we don't have receptors in our brainstem, which controls our breathing. Therefore, it is, and I'm not a medical doctor, I am, you know, just passing along information that from very reputable sources, that there aren't any receptors there in the brainstem. Therefore, you cannot overdose. It will not cease someone's breathing. Well, we can look around and see many things that are much larger issues than cannabis, right? And so marijuana is going to kill your kids. It's not. It's not. are fentanyl overdoses and the opioid crisis and all of that, absolutely. Prescription drug overdoses, yeah, that can be killing kids. But to hear a, a leader who is supposed to be doing what the people want, right, is – Uh, a representative of this state, um, he wasn't representing the people because the people want medical cannabis access. The people want their loved ones themselves, their neighbors, um, you know, or possibly themselves in the future to have this option. And so watching someone make a spectacle, it was disrespectful and in very bad taste, I believe, because standing before a man that is saying that that marijuana, that if we legalize marijuana for medical use, that it's going to kill um, my child. Well, I can tell you, uh, something else is killing him every single day, and that's these ongoing seizures. Um, it's not going to be some cannabis oil that his doctor talks with us about. That's, that's not going to kill the kids. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff. And so I you know, don't have a lot uh, of kind words. Uh, for him individually, uh, you know, I wish I could tell you that things have changed. You know, I, I did was hopeful that with a new governor that we could at least possibly have a conversation. Um, I will tell you that uh, Governor Pillen, you know, his stance is that he does not support medical cannabis. He believes it needs to be done by the FDA. Right. Um, the same old. Uh, you know, story that we continue hearing. And so that's unfortunate. Um, I do want to make it clear, though, that there has been conversations with the governor on this issue and believe that those conversations, obviously, they have happened respectfully. um, And, you know, that obviously I'm glad for that, but still we have a leader who is not going to, you know, work to help come to a resolution on this issue and probably will work against us you know on on this particular issue and so we are faced with again I believe a strong opposition Uh, the Attorney General in this state um, is coming in very opposed and very vocally opposed to you know many senators who they're they're going to be voting and hearing this bill Um, and again it's unfortunate because those state leaders have an opportunity before them. And those 49 senators in Lincoln have an opportunity to help a great deal of people and do it in a safe and regulated way. Again, while they can control it, they can call the shots. But if they fail to do that as every single year, and again, if that opposition wants to stand firm like they have, um, we will just go to the ballot. And that is truly the way it should be done. But I will tell you that it will be broad. It won't be them controlling it. And so from a a standpoint of what, what they should be doing, I mean, they're missing an opportunity because I am telling you and giving you my word, I will file language here very quickly and go back to the ballot if we don't get something done this year in the legislature and it doesn't appear that we will.
0: It seems rooted to me Uh, this sort of generic Republican resistance to medical marijuana, Uh, it seems rooted in a kind of conservative identity politics, uh, which is kind of what we started this interview with, talking about, you know, hippies are bad, this is hippie mumbo jumbo, which I find interesting, uh, particularly in this time where you see a lot of conservative interest in what one might call alternative medicine, like Ivermectin, or the reactions to the vaccine, to Fauci, to the CDC in general. So why do you think there's such a red line with conservatives when it comes to cannabis?
1: You know, again, when we look in other states, you don't see it quite as much as it is overwhelmingly here in our state and we see that divide. And you know I don't I don't know why because when you look at the statistics and you look at again whether it's from a ballot initiative and the, and the individuals that signed or in polling, this is a very nonpartisan issue. It is not a Democrat issue, it is not a Republican issue. Human suffering is not a cited issue, right? But yet here it is, and it it becomes this political um, pull. And like you said, it does, you know, the Republican support on this issue has been, uh, you know, a challenge for us. I can tell you from experience, I have had state senators tell me that they cannot vote against their governor. And I will tell you that's very disheartening to hear because that is not why we elect these public officials. Um, They are elected to represent their constituents, right? A group of people um, in which they represent that area. And I can tell you from going out and collecting signatures, from polling, from all of that, that each of those senators should be uh, representing their areas, their constituents, by voting for a medical system. Um, but instead, we see money and power and vote trading. And, you know, and I am just I am not representing anybody today. You know, as I, I just mm-hmm. want to make that clear that I'm just speaking to you on my own behalf. Um, but it is it's very sad. Um, and I, I think that's I would rather someone say I, I don't agree with this issue than tell me the reason that they can't vote is because they need to pad their pockets with money from someone who can help them get elected next year. It's sickening.
0: It tells you there's a constituency of one, which is the governor or whoever is bankrolling their campaigns. Because, I mean, the threat there is if I make, you know, if I make him mad, then I will get primaried by someone who will do what he wants. Right. Which essentially undoes the necessity to have a legislature at all because it's ruled by one unless there's enough of a filibuster to do anything.
1: Right. Right. Ex- exactly. Um, I mean, the we have a unicameral, right? And uh, something that I, not growing up here, did not realize that how unique we are the only one in the nation that is a unicameral, right? And a unicameral is supposed to function so that it's not Democrat. It's not Republicans. It's not this, you know, party division. Well, we live in the real world. It is. And again, you see it with many, many issues. And this is definitely one of them that has primarily been, associated more on the Democratic side. But again, I can tell you that when you look at polling and when you talk to people, that is not at all. It is, uh, that's something that's happening there in Lincoln. And it's happening because of a few individuals in our state who have made a point that they are not going to let this happen. Uh, They, um, you know, there's many reasons I believe that, that that is the case. I believe that there's pharmaceutical, you know, pharmaceutical companies you know They're not on board with medical cannabis because, like I mentioned earlier, that any state that has passed any type of medical cannabis program, we see drastic drops in these prescriptions being written. We see less deaths from overdoses of prescription drugs. And so it's not good for a money – it's not a moneymaker, right, For for the pharmaceutical companies. Therefore – Of course they don't want it. Um, And I think if, you know, you research, it's all public record of who, um, you know, the supporters of certain, you know, state leaders, um, individuals, public officials, you can see who's donating and who's giving them money. Um, And very often you'll see a lot of pharmaceuticals, uh, companies that are huge, huge donors to these individuals.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Krista Eggers, a proponent of legalizing medical marijuana for Nebraskans. What do you think about proposals to use cannabis for medical purposes, as has been legalized in 37 other states so far? Let us know. Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089, which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. That's the kind of thing where I I would like to say, you know, everybody reach out to your representative because you matter and your voice matters. And I want to believe that. And some days I can and some days I struggle with it. Where are you with that?
1: Um, I would say I'm the same. I am um, a day- to- day issue. I will tell you the days that I watch my child suffer so horrifically. um, I am so angry and so, um, so hardened to this system of that we have that is, you know, I feel is failing so many and failing my child. Um, but I also have had wonderful conversations with some of the senators. Um, There are so many that do support this issue. Um, I believe a lot that support it, but don't always, you know, aren't going to say so, or that's not what their vote's going to show. But I I still believe um, that there are good individuals there. Um, I know many of them, I've worked with many of them, um, and they have done everything they can to help um, again, educate you know whether it's through the ballot initiative, through legislation. And so I would tell people it's your voice does matter. it should matter. Um, and I encourage people uh, to get involved and you know look at the issues that our legislature is debating um, that your senators are voting on reach out to them, it is so easy. And you know, uh, I know many people are kind of scared, like is that Senator gonna answer the phone and gonna ask me all these questions? Nope, you're usually gonna get an aide or a voicemail. Um, You can do it through email. And simply all you have to say is who you are and that you want them to support this specific issue. Or you can put the bill number and you can find all of that online on the Nebraska legislature page. You can search by your zip code who your Senator is. Um, It doesn't have to be an intimidating process. And I can tell you that each of those calls and each of those emails, um, you know, they do hear about them. Um, I wish I could say that, you know, it matters to all of them. Um, You know, often sometimes it's obviously the issue, is this an issue I care about or not? But there are good people down there who are listening and are doing what the people want. And so I would always encourage people to do that. And to – you know, this is an issue that – especially because it is controversial. And there are many senators that are saying, hey, I want to hear from my constituents. This is something I don't know about. We have had a huge turn in the legislature this session. There are many new senators in there, and they they need to hear from people um, on these issues that are important. Um, And if it's not this one, you know, another issue for people, uh, because that is how it's supposed to be.
0: You already mentioned this, but Jim Pillen, Governor Pillen, said that he supports an FDA-approved process for cannabis. What that means, though, is that it would have to be uh, descheduled at a federal level exactly which means it wouldn't really be up to the state legislature in general right yes. it takes it out of his hands entirely
1: right right and it does i mean i i am absolutely you know he, here today to say it does need to be descheduled that is exactly what does need to happen so that we can learn more about it and we you know um there's so much that we how ha- we're so far behind right when we look at other countries and so it absolutely needs to be done but i can tell you that you know that's we've They've talked about that at a federal level for many, many years. And we're making, you know, just really, really small, slow progress on that. Um, We know the FDA can do things fast if they want to. Um, This has not been an issue they want to. And, again, they have basically said, hey, we're going to let the states determine what's best for their state. Um, So, yes, that is the – Number one thing is the FDA needs to do it, but I also think it's an easy cop-out of saying we just aren't going to be the ones that do it. We're going to make it somebody else's problem. And I think that's unfortunate uh, because what will happen someday when it is descheduled and you know decriminalized and all of a sudden adult use or recreational marijuana you know is legal at a federal level, states like Nebraska, right? And there's not very many of them, but we're going to be caught with our pants down. Because we have no infrastructure, no regulations, um, no system in place. Um, And so the way I see it happening, if if we don't do something, the day that that happens, um, you know, all these things that some of these, uh, you know, people are saying, we don't want to become this and we don't want this, it's going to be here. And it's going to be up to the legislature to call a special session, do whatever they need to do, right to all of a sudden rein it in. So if they really want to do what's best for Nebraska and they want to keep Nebraska this safe, you know, conservative state on this issue, pass a well-regulated medical cannabis law. That is what they should be doing. And they're not. And so there's really two two ways this can go. Right. And, you know, it's the writings on the wall. Each year we do have, at least I still have, the hope that maybe we can do something in the legislature. Maybe, um, you know, they will act. But at the end of the day, I'm a mom who has made it, um, you know, my life's mission right now to not only help my son, but to help all these thousands of other people. And nothing really nothing will stop me from doing that. And, you know, I I think sometimes I'm asked, well, you know, but you don't really have political experience or no. And, you know, I don't don't need that. In fact, I think sometimes um, some of the greatest, you know, movements and greatest, you know, efforts in life are done from someone who just wholeheartedly believes in an issue. They care about it. And they're kind of up against a rock and a hard place because, they don't have any other options, and so their option is to fight and to continue to fight. And again, I'm just one of many, many family members, um, and and caregivers, patients who are fighting this. So I'm not alone in this. Um, and but I I know they would all say the same thing: We're not giving up. We're not giving up. They they go low, we go high. Um, They toss us off the ballot, we come back, Uh, we come back stronger, we come back with a database of everybody who has already signed the petition. Um, You know, it's not a fun path, but if that's that's our choice, that's what we do.
0: So for people who are intrigued or want to get directly involved, how can they learn more about this cause?
1: Yes, so... um, there, our ballot initiative was, you will hear us say, Nebraskans for Medical Marijuana. That was a ballot committee who led these two previous ballot initiatives. The way right now for people to get uh, involved, whether legislation or keeping up with is there a ballot initiative, is to go to NebraskaFamilies.org. Um, spelled out, nebraskafamilies.org. And that is the advocacy, the nonprofit site of, again, um, just a group of advocates that 10 years ago started this and have been advocating ever since. And so there's information on the bill, how to contact your senator, what's going on with this bill. Um, And then obviously, again, uh, previous ballot attempts, um, information for individuals about other states and how things work in those states. Um, And, you know, very clearly about where we hope our state is going and, and how people can get involved.
0: Well, I appreciate getting to know how you got involved in this uh, in this movement and then what the movement is and where it might go from here. So thank you so much for talking to me Absolutely.
1: Today. Thank you so much. You know, this is, this is what has to happen, these conversations. And so I thank you for, you know, having me here to talk with you because I, I know that there's probably somebody out there that's listening that very well was like me five years ago and said, oh, it's not really an issue, you know, hey, I guess whatever, but – there may be somebody out there that didn't know how they felt, and I hope that they heard that, you know, there's some of us out there fighting for our lives or for the lives of our family member. And I would ask them to think about their own family, their child, their spouse, and what would they do if they were in my shoes, and what the right thing to do. When we talk about what is doing, what's compassion, what's kindness, right. what's taking care of our neighbor, I'll tell you, that's that's allowing them to use a plant if it's going to change or save their life.
0: I think that's a great note for us to end on. So thank you again. Thank you. Riverside Chance is a production of KIOS 915 FM, Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos, and our artwork is done by Ben Matukowicz. Remember, you can find the backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today, and while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a review. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock.